You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! X-Man Podcast. I am your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you so much for checking the show out. I kind of want to talk about a little thing I talked about on the last episode. I mentioned I was kind of in this uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> hole. And, uh, and, and, and since that point, I've kind of, you know, like the rest of the world, um, you know, kind of fallen into the Marvel Avengers Endgame hole. And and really gotten a lot out of that. So I kind of started going back and rewatching some of some of those films, and it kind of got me thinking, you know, because pretty much since I got home from the last tour, at about a week, couple weeks, where uh, dealing with you know some depression issues, some anxiety issues, and then about ten days ago, my back went out randomly, and then I thought it wasn't that bad, and then it got worse, and it's kind of I don't know. I guess I guess I, I had a little bit of a, a revelation about how you have certain times in in, in your life where you kind of need coping mechanisms. And I guess in this particular time of my life, I, I utilized uh, this mythology, this this escapism as a way to kind of deal with other things that were that were difficult in my life. And I, and I guess in that respect, I actually felt kind of lucky because I was I was pointing out on, on Twitter and a couple of my friends that in many ways, I wonder if this is the peak of at least this era of, of pop culture with Game of Thrones and the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. You have essentially around 10 years of content and story building up where people have been invested in it. We didn't know that it was going to be that when we started getting involved in it, but then you have this huge kind of ending and this payoff and this emotional climax and you feel connected to it. And it, it made me think of this Bill Maher new rules segment he did around the time Stan Lee passed away. And he pretty much just took a giant shit on comic book fans, people who are fans of comic book films. And his general point was that if you're really into this stuff, then it means you're not maturing, that you're not an adult, that you're a 
you are clinging to relics from your childhood. And so you're stuck there. And, you know, I mean, I fundamentally disagree with him in that, you know, and I get a lot of this is just protecting our own identities in a way, right? So let's say I'm Mr. Collectible. I'm like wearing Star Wars t-shirts and I'm, you know, and I guess in some ways <laughs> I am that guy. But, you know, you know, you think of like the 40-year-old virgin, right? The guy who's still sleeping in a, a you know, car bed or something. And I think I think there is a, a definitive nature to that, that it could be, of course, some, some arrest development, but Let's look at the society. I mean, who is going to see these films? Who is buying the video games? It's not just children. It is more adults than it is children probably now. So that, A, I think it must mean something about our society and how what adulthood means in, in 2019 as opposed to maybe what it meant in 1970. I think those it means different things. And I think it also kind of speaks to, guess what? They didn't have Game of Thrones and the Avengers at the quality and level back then as we have it now. So that's what I said before that I, I felt kind of lucky because this stuff is so immersive and so the quality is so high end that you can really kind of get trapped in it to the detriment, right? Like, so if I'm watching Game of Thrones or these movies, but I'm not showing up to my job or I'm not attending to my other things that are important, the yeah, it can, it can become a problem. But I found in, in, in a time when I was dealing with some emotional pain and some physical pain, these worlds were a nice retreat, you know, out outside of that. You know, and it's probably better doing that than burying my, my head in a bottle or some drugs or, you know, there's just so many different levels of escapism. You know, and people can, and that can develop in really toxic ways, whether that's, you know, someone who gets gets into catfishing someone or perhaps being so involved in, in maybe some of these online video games, you know, like Second Life. Like I remember hearing a story about a couple whose baby died because they were playing Warcraft. You know, I, I do think there are detrimental things to this type of escapism. But the truth is, you know, if you look at a lot of the data, I mean... Uh, opioids going through the roof suicides up at least in america and you know we are looking for these things and uh i think the the fundamental thing is that people will always be moved by stories whether it's the bible whether it's shakespeare whether and and when i say stories i also mean fiction there's something about this that we're always going to be attached to and to try and denigrate people for being moved by these stories is kind of, I think, rejecting something fundamental about humanity and how we kind of, that's how we find context with, with, within ourselves through drama, through story, through fiction. And, uh, and the truth is, I, I don't think someone who doesn't know anything about this stuff is really the one to make the best commentary on it. Anyway, just had that on my mind. I thought I would share that with you guys. Uh, it's been a, a pretty good week for the show. I've gotten some new interviews and I'm really excited about, uh, we have a bunch of sponsors, people, you know, I, I put out a post a, a little bit more than a week ago and 
people have been hitting me up left and right. So if you want to sponsor the X-Man show, please hit me up because uh, these slots are flying out the door right now. I've actually, I'm going to do something a little more unorthodox. Uh, usually I have one band sponsor show, but today's show, like I said, there was such a demand to get to get on the X-Man to play a song. Today's show, I'm going to do two. I'm going to not try and do that very often. I don't want to have too many ads on the show and kind of bog it down, but I think these songs are cool and I, and I really wanted to, uh, you know, I want to expose bands and give people the, the opportunity. So right now I'm going to play a song by a solo artist, a one-man band. Uh, his name is Henry Cloutier, and this song is called Falling Down. Check it out.
It seems I'm falling down again You are Falling Down, and it is by Henry Cloutier. And that song is dedicated uh, to all those people we have lost to suicide due to depression and self-harm. And the message of the song is that life does, in fact, get better and that your life is truly worth it. I think that's some awesome words. And Henry is from Baltimore, Maryland, and he's actually currently doing a Kickstarter. And if you donate to the Kickstarter, you will get one of three singles that he has released. And you can check him out on facebook.com backslash Henry C official, and as well as YouTube at Henry C official. Thank you so much, Henry. I thought that was cool. It was like a heavy metal version of rise against or something like that a little bit different for the show and and you know what i back it i really enjoyed that right now i'm gonna go with our second sponsor of the show and we have a band from chicago illinois called central disorder and this track is called into the night check it out
So that was Central Disorder with their track Into the Night from their 2018 release, Eradication. I thought that was really sick. I actually really, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, they've been around for quite some time. Go back to 2003. Their singer, Rob Pito, started the band. And they've played with bands like Exodus, Mushroomhead, Deicide, Fear Factory, Sepultura, and so many more. And they actually have some shows coming up. They're playing May 10th and 11th with Mark Rizzo at a Freak's Top Fuel Saloon in Braidwood, Illinois, and Penny Road Pub in Barrington, Illinois. They are headlining Penny Road Pub on June 1st. And they also are playing Chaos Fest and Streeter, Illinois on September 20th and 21st. And then they are also opening for Nile at the Forge in Joliet, Illinois. And you can check them out at centraldisorder.bandcamp.com. And when you go to there, make sure to check out their Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. But huge thanks to Central Disorder and Henry Cloutier for sponsoring this show. It definitely means the world. If you are interested, actually, one more thing before I say this. Uh, I said before that you get one of three Henry Cloutier tracks if you contribute to the Kickstarter. You get all three. That's what I meant to say. But anyway, if you are interested in sponsoring the X-Man podcast, please hit me on my social media or drop me an email at the X-Man podcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's E-X. And now with all that out of the way, I'm going to give, actually, my guest I have coming up, Really needs no introduction. It's Mark Morton. He's the lead guitar player from Lamb of God. He just went out. Uh, I went out with him with his solo band, and he put out a solo record called Anesthetic this year. It's fucking awesome. Features so many amazing singers like Chester Bennington from Linkin Park and Miles Kennedy, and you know the, the list goes on and on and on. But I've, I've known Mark forever. As you hear in the conversation, I have so much respect for him. I was honored that he invited me out. I filled in for him in Lamb of God. And, you know, as they say, you you, you know, you can't make new old friends. And it was an absolute pleasure, obviously, because people know I was going out with them. Everyone's asking if I was getting him on the show. I made it happen. He is the best. So, you know, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Mr. Mark Morton. talking about the podcast game over here we starting no man listen man it's, it's just is all right it's, it's just i don't know i i don't i've actually never listened to your podcast that's okay i don't, I don't listen but to be fair i don't really listen to podcasts yeah sometimes i'll i'll like youtube joe rogan if he has a guest that i find interesting um and i've listened to two of jamie's podcasts the ones you no are. no i've listened to three i've listened to the two that i'm on just to see if I said anything stupid. And I actually listened to the one you did with Jamie. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad I made the cut. Yeah, you you did. It was me, me and you. Those are the only ones I listened to. Well, the way I look at it, it's essentially talk radio that you can listen to a la carte. Yeah, yeah it's cool. It's, it's a cool platform. It's a cool format. I think it's, um, I just, I, it's interesting. I don't find myself with time in the day to sit and listen to something. And I guess it's the kind of thing you have on in the background while you do other things, but I don't know. I just, uh, I don't Do you listen to music? Not enough. Yeah. I listen to music in the car. But uh, that's, but that's, so I think it's like, uh, you have so much real estate in your spare time. And so for me, the top times listen to podcast is driving or working out. 
or kind of like or like if I'm working around the house and doing errands or shopping i'll just have my earbuds i don't know how you have the time to do anything because i know a little bit about you know i don't know if your (laughs) listeners know you and i've been friends for a long time and you've got the band the podcast like you got all kinds of stuff going on man you're like always working on something new Uh, now you're doing you did did my just did my tour like there's always something going on and yeah you you, i don't know how you have time for all this hustle but you do well i did i you know i've probably talked about this on before where i was like i don't really have time like i should have said no to (laughs) jamie i'm really glad you did but (laughs) do you remember your response when i asked because we you you and i had talked on the phone for a long time like we talked like for an hour or something just like catching catching up because it had been a while since Probably since I'd come out to L.A. Mm-hmm. working on the album, yeah. that we I think we caught up at the Rainbow one night, and it had been since then since we really like caught up, and uh, we talked on the phone for like an hour that day, just like gabbing, and then I think I texted you like a week or two later, like, "Yo, you want to? Will you play guitar in this solo thing I'm doing?" And your response was, "I was hoping you'd ask me that." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. Well, but, because I I had a feeling something was going to happen, and something did happen and you know it's kind of interesting considering how long we've known each other and the fact that i filled in for you but we've never played together right right this is the first time of us actually playing together yes yes which shows together you've covered for me and lamb yeah but this is the first time we've actually like like you you know harmonizing runs together and and trying man it's a let's say the mark morton you you have your own like you know in metallica apparently Lars follows James and I feel like playing with you is almost like that where the band has to attune to your unique feel because you play a little behind I'm a little late on the beat Um, yeah I'm a little behind that's true you know or even like so we we did like that acoustic thing yesterday and it was kind of hard to hear you because on the other side of the room so I would actually just watch your your kind of your your right hand just to, just to just set the tempo because you have X. Me, my tempo is kind of it's neither here nor there, and it's in a sense can be I'm ahead, you know, because I rec- I record myself a lot. And yeah, when you can see the actual, you can see where you are on it. Yeah. That, I just tend to be ahead, uh-huh. and it's annoying, and it's just kind of you try and adjust for it, and um, or I'm just very on, you know. I'm like, okay, I'm just. But that's good for metal. Yeah, it's good for for a technical metal player. Which I think you are. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. You're not limited to that, but yeah. I think that's a lot of what you do would be like more technical kind of metal playing. I guess the same is true for me, but I'm weird because I am sort of like have this sort of like lazy on the beat kind of. I like to think of it as a swagger. It is, but but it it took me a minute um, because I'm our brains are completely different in terms of how we approach uh, learning things. Just and about executing. anything. <laughs> well, no, because yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, Cause there's, there's definitely say many ways to break an egg. Um, but me, I'm very much, especially when I'm learning other people's material, I want it. I want it specific. Just, to, just send me the exact music and I will learn it exactly how it is written. And with you, even like I was talking to Josh Wilbur about getting the stem so I can learn it. He's like, he's like, man, these dudes will he's like they'll have a part and he's talking about like on a lamb record yeah where you know willie would show it to you one way and then you'll come back and you'll play a different way which tells me that it's almost up to interpretation what the uh, quote-unquote official way to play 
a riff or a part. It's very much something that happens in the moment. It is. And it's also funny because there there will be like, you know, Willie and I both write for the band and there will be riffs, entire passages that I have brought in. I brought the guitar part and I wrote it and we'll learn it together and play it together. And by the time I go start working on something else, like I've forgotten how to play that thing, but Willie always remembers. Yeah. So I'll come back and what Josh is talking about, we'll come back and we'll be in the studio and I'll be playing it wrong. And it'll literally be like, Willie, what's Mark's part here? And Willie's like, oh yeah, Mark's brought this in. And I'd actually have gotten to the point now where I trust him. I'm like, that's really what it was? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well then I'll do that. Or I'll be like, let's change it then. You know what I mean? But Willie always remembers. I never remember. And it's funny, like, your listeners, uh, to, you know, to, to kind of timestamp this, we're on tour right now with my solo album. And uh, you had to learn the whole album, right? Yeah. And so Doc learns the whole album and a couple weeks before we even have rehearsals, he sends me tabs, like tab guitar tablature for all the guitar parts on my album, which by the way, none of those songs did I know how to play because I hadn't played them since I recorded them and I recorded them two years ago and I've been on tour with Lamb and writing New Lamb and all that stuff. And so I literally had to go back and learn the whole album some of which I used your tabs to, to learn. So I'm learning my own stuff from you as well. Which they weren't 100% accurate. They were, they the, were pretty close. To, to the, my best ability. They at, were at really, the really close. And uh, there was only a couple spots where I either disagreed or caught an, called an audible and we're not sure which it was. Well, well the way I look at it, especially <laughs> when you have these, you know, you're kind of known for the tags, right? These really noty tags where it's there's a lot going on and no one's gonna know whether you're going to the sixth fret or, or the, the seventh yeah, yeah it's it's, it's kind of like just make sure we're all doing the same thing right, whatever right. interpretation and then we'll be okay you know. and then some of it's too has been really cool over the course of this couple weeks of us doing this tour like the song we're, we're just as a band like we're starting to the songs are starting to take a different character even then from the album like uh how we're in the second verse in Blur, how we're kind of tightening up on it and sitting down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just happening naturally. It's really cool to see stuff like that, like, evolve. Yeah, it's... it's On uh, stage, you know what I mean? Well, I've, I've done several things in this context where you... A band makes a record or, you know... And usually it's done on computers, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily a full band getting together. Then a collective has to figure out how to perform that live. You get some... Musicians together, I've been fortunate to play with great musicians, but even with great musicians, uh, developing chemistry together takes time. And I noticed, uh, I was playing with this girl, Maytal Cohen, female uh, drummer, amazing drummer, and we had a great band, and we did a couple shows at first, you know, like uh, right around the time her album was released. Then maybe, I forget even how long, maybe six months later, a year later, I forget how long we, we ended up doing a tour, and we were so much better a year later because we didn't have that thing of art. We have to build the house from ground up. Yeah. You know, just ha- and having that knowing everyone, knowing how everyone's feel and all, all that stuff. So I imagine if we do this again, the band will be that much better. For sure. Yeah. No, it's definitely, it's gotten better. And over the course of the last, what, eight, eight, seven or eight shows we've done. Yeah. So it must be kind of a, a trip out to conceive of something. I, 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 I know you did it with, uh, you know, um, Josh Wilbur, the producer, but more or less from your kind of 
uh, inception and and your creative flow to actually now it's you're playing it's, it's like a very real manifestation of something happy and it's going well yeah yeah the second part's cool really cool like how is, is that it like, could have gone the but other is that like a trip out like that it's <laughs> the song's gonna play on the radio and know, we're man. playing as you know some great crowds and people are ha- having a, a great time at the shows and singing along and so i i the it started out you know with just demos that I was working on just like you. We we write music. We're musicians. You know, we're artists. We 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 create with music. And so I had these collection of tunes. This collection of tunes coming together that clearly wasn't going to be Lamb of God material. You know, it was too rock. It was too this, that, or the other thing. It wasn't thrash metal. It wasn't Lamb. But I thought it was cool. And then Josh thought it was cool. And then Jake thought it was cool and was starting his label in print. And we just kind of conceptualize this project but even all through those that course of events it was a studio project and as it grew and as i got all these amazing performers and singers and drummers everybody involved and just astonished by the people that were willing to work on this thing mark lanigan chester bennington miles kennedy you know mike inez just all these people that were coming into it it was still just a studio project right and then even the single, the Chester singles, banging at radio. It's like top ten, at, top ten at radio, active rock radio right now, which is crazy. Whole new world for me. Blow my, blew my mind. But still, it, it, I, it for me, it didn't like. It was all real, and it all really happened. And it was all amazing. But it took on this another layer of, of, uh, realness. Of it just took on a whole another component when we got our band together and we started learning the songs and we played those first couple shows in front of people with the backdrop and speakers and fans in front of us. Like Were you nervous? Just, I was super nervous. <laughs> I was really, really nervous, but I was also mindful enough and just kind of in a place of clarity right now in my personal life, just like where I'm at in my life right now, I was like appreciating the anxiety that I had about it because it was a real emotion a real feeling and i should be nervous it's a whole brand new thing it's my damn name on there you know i can't i yeah. can't hide behind randy or the 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 machine that lamb of god is i can't blame it on anything if it goes bad it's 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 me showing my ass and yeah. and uh and like you said for it to go well it's just been amazing it's i've had so much fun doing this i want to do it some more yeah well i'm just i think about that the fact that you go on a press tour or something, it's it's just you. Yeah. Right? You can't hey Doc, you wanna do an interview? Well, for why don't we talk to Doc for this tomorrow? <laughs> right. Fortunately, I've had some experience doing that in the course of my career with Lamb of God. You know, there've been I've done plenty plenty of press and I've done press tours. But you could at least share the load but, theoretically. But it was spread out and Randy does the lion's share of that stuff because he's the front man. Yeah. Um, and he's very good at it. But uh yeah, it's it's just a different like a different kind of level of commitment to the project, a different degree of responsibility. It's fun. It's you know, and you know a lot about how radio works and that's been a a, a huge learning curve for me cuz working this working the cross off, working the single and watching that go and taking part in all the things that have to happen to to promote a song at radio and doing doing all the uh just you know press tours and radio stops and playing live acoustic on air stuff that that we did a few times a couple times on this tour which was a blast 
it's just been a it's just been a real joy to learn this stuff and to really honestly doc to have at this point in my life i'm 46 years old i've been i've had a great career with lamb of god it's still happening it's still banging we're still relevant we still got a lot of momentum a lot of cool music left in us but to be at this stage of my career and still be doing new things and learning new stuff and having new types of success Mm -hmm. is just an absolute uh it's just a blessing man well i wonder if being in a band that you know possibly lamb of god is one of the top five most successful extreme bands ever you know, I don't. You know, I don't know what that list is. Whether it's Slayer, uh, Sepultura, maybe you know a couple um, of a couple other. Ba- just in terms of the extremeness of the vocals and stuff, but sure. but being that kind of band, it there are still limits. There are places you're not allowed to go. Yeah, and I and I imagine for someone like you who is a versatile musician, has versatile tastes, might feel a little frustrated that oh, I'm kind of pigeonholed as this one thing, and I'm disallowed from doing maybe this type of material or or being allowed into these kind of different scenes or you know yeah i think i think there's some truth to that as i relate to it i think it's more than anything it's been creative kind of frustration yeah because as i love the work we do with lamb i love being able to contribute to that my heart is 100 percent in it i give a lot of myself to those songs but there is a lane that and sometimes we can push that lane a little wider and sometimes it narrows up, but there's still a lane that land that lamb of God exists in. And it's, I think it's kind of from all parties involved. I think the fans expect a certain, a certain type you of You guys thing, laid it out. Thing, pure, pure American metal yeah. from day one. And that means something. That's a we brand. branded it like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think we have an obligation to live up to that. Not only to the fans, but also to the to honor the the body of work that we've put together. You start thinking about all these kind of things when you're 20 years in, you know. Um, so I respect that. I respect that body of work. I, I respect the lane we've created for ourselves. Um, I want to play around within it, but I don't want to screw it up. Yeah, it's and it's as we've seen with bands that veer too far off the reservation so to speak it can go bad (laughs) it can especially in metal you know that these particular kinds of fans have a very definitive idea of of loyalty and sometimes people don't want to forgive you for that yeah which shouldn't be a motivation to not do something you really want to do because creatively i think your artistry has to come first that's another thing Lamb's always done. You know, it sounds counterintuitive, contradictory to what I'm saying, but Lamb has always done what the five of us want first and not chased what we think some fans want. But at the same time, like I said, there's we've we've got what seven seven albums, seven studio albums, and uh over the course of twenty years, we have to respect that legacy. We have to respect that body work. So I'm not gonna put like a, a rap song on a Lamb of God album is what yeah. I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Even I love rap music. Nobody wants to hear me rap. But even if they did, I damn sure ain't gonna put it on a Lamb so of you God. Got, you, you got you got verses? I got bars, man. I got oh bars. yeah. Um Where's that, man? Where, where <laughs> are, that, are those on some demos somewhere too? <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Where's the mixtape gonna drop, man? <laughs> but um But we can put but, that on, but, Mark but, Morgan can put that out. Morgan, Mark Morgan, yeah. Can put that out. Um but creatively, you do feel frustration sometimes because it's like, yeah, I want to play the blues. Yeah, I want to play some soulful stuff, some acoustic stuff, that kind of thing. So this project really was uh, amazing for that because I did feel like I could kind of do whatever I wanted. And 
and to have that be you know like you alluded to earlier to have it be so well received and and have its own level of success again is just blew my mind is far beyond what i ever anticipated just want to take a quick break from our conversation with mark morton to present this week's presenting sponsor outer limits hot sauce their sauces are all natural vegan and gluten-free heat is from mild to super hot starting with their jalapeno hemp seed signature flavor for the band weed eater up to their super spicy ghost pepper roasted garlic you can use the discount code xman20 for 20 percent off any order at outerlimitshotsauce.com Find them on social media at Outer Limits Hot Sauce on Instagram and Facebook and at OL Hot Sauce on Twitter. Just to let you guys know, I have tried this stuff out. It's my buddy Ed. I've known forever. He gave me one bottle and I'm not even like a hot sauce dude. And I was using this shit all the time. So please support Outer Limits Hot Sauce. Now back to our conversation with Mark Morton. Was there any kind of intention about being your own person in terms of, you know, in the way we think of a slash, right? We think of him, you know, as Guns N' Roses, but there's slash. He's his own man. He's his mm. own entity. And you are someone, you know, you're, even though you have a presence online, you've never been a, hey, look at me guy. Right. Uh, you've never been, you know, you have your, you know, signature guitar and your signature, uh, you know, pickups and, th- and things like that. But, um, I've nothing about you screams selfless, uh, shameless self promoter. Right, right. And um, was that in the in the back of it, or, or is it more just the art and creation and all that? I think it was it was more about the songs and the songwriting and the the the, the creative side. I was really really terrified of putting my name on it. In fact, I was considering naming the project like a band name. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people do which which was a part was a discussion and it was really a discussion deep until the end like on it while we were still into doing we were far into the album art and we had to decide like okay what are we finally going to do this thing and there were a few different options um what to call it but ultimately with the committee of people discussing it it came in we were just like let's just call it what it is it's it was my project was just put my name on it. And then that created a whole new anxiety of were people going to be accepting of the idea that of me as the, the artist, you know what I mean? The on, on my own, even though obviously I've got a lot of help on this album, a lot of, a lot of collaboration and I only sang one song on it. I got singers and everything. So, but it's still my name on the top and, and uh, were people going to be willing to accept that? And I guess they were, which is thank y'all. Thank y'all for that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many, so many bands where it's difficult to say who is the representatives, you know, and you guys, I think, have been fairly egalitarian yeah. about letting each member kind of have their own real estate and be their own person. And, and people, when they know your band, they know everyone in the band. It's not just, you know. Oh, we just know the lead singer or something like that. And yeah, I I don't know how it works in other bands. I know that in you know over the course of the history of Lamb of God, it's it's five pretty strong personalities. Yeah, even though not all of us are again, like you said, I'm not out there beating the drum. But if you know, 
everyone kind of brings their own thing to the table and it's 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 been pretty five pretty strong personalities over the years so that's that's just how our, our band has worked so what what kind of interesting things is just being a fan of your playing and being kind of close you know it's that's one kind of cool thing about being around as long as i have and also being in the right places and being in particular eras so we first played together in 1998 in a garage <laughs> alexander tees in, in pennsylvania and this was burn the priest and god forbid had released i believe our ep which was a demo uh out of misery and um it's funny because that night we got chris gave us the burn, a burn the priest demo i think it was like a five song demo but it was it preceded what became like the record and i remember that demo sounded sick as fuck i remember like i remember liking the demo more than was the it recording a, was it a cassette it was a cassette and i have no idea what happened to it yeah. i'm fucking pissed off um but one thing i kind of noticed is that and I, I remember not too long after that maybe a couple of years later we were on tour together we were sharing a bus opening for opening up for six feet under and you guys played ruin no no it wasn't ruin you were already playing ruin it was i remember you played uh as the palace is burned for the first time right and you were sound checking it at harpo's and you do did the solo and you came and, said, and you remember this <laughs> i remember this but because you didn't do that many solos back then yeah right 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 and in a way it was kind of inverse where i was doing a lot of guitar solos and you were kind of like asking my opinion on the guitar solo. I was like, and I think I gave like a snarky comment or something. You were kind of like, okay, man, okay, I hear you, you know, right? And, but now I, I hear you play and you seem like the most naturalistic lead guitar player that I've ever, you know, you know, where it just shoots out of you, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, were you always that guy, even in the Burn the Priest and the early Lamb of God days? I think, uh, it's funny because thinking about that when before all that happened back in James City County, Virginia, when I was in high school playing with my cover bands and stuff, I was very much a lead guitar player. Like I knew the solos and I learned the solos, but I always realized that you're playing rhythm Most a solid time. 75, 80, 90 percent of the time you're playing rhythm. So you better be a good rhythm player, too, because that's the majority of what you're doing is playing rhythm. And then when it comes time for a lead, when it makes sense for a lead, who, who's who got the best lead, who can play, who's got the best chops? All right, play the lead, right? So in the bands I was in back then, usually I was that guy, not always, but usually. Um, and I was kind of focused on that. It was, and, you know, I'm I'm old, man. I'm, I'm 46 years old. So I was playing guitar in the late 80s when it was like, you know, shredders. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was the thing. So fast forward a few years and now it's Nirvana, Soundgarden, that kind of thing. And the music I was into was less shred lead guitar oriented and more about the riff or the vibe or the the kind of layering and the songwriting. And that became a big influence. And I got real into like kind of more punk stuff like Fugazi and Jesus Lizard and the Melvins. And then it was just through that phase, it was you were just kind of corny if you were doing a solo. And so I sort of like adopted that mentality, even though I, I, I could I could play, you know, I could play leads. I just kind of backburnered it. And so that moved on into Burn the Priest when it was just like I wasn't really doing any leads. And as we evolved and you're right, Palaces was the first time I started being, well, I might put a solo here. And then by what was after Palaces? Ashes, I guess. Right. And then by then we're 
I was pretty much playing, starting to work some. Well, to me, the main breakout was Walk With Me in Hell. Yeah. Where it was like the song, big song, uh, big, I think, evolution for the band. And it was structured like a more normal song. Because, I mean, if you you really think about, even through Palaces, or or, I mean, Ash to the Wake, you guys were still experimenting with structure and yeah. doing and and there was a lot of progressive elements songs would zig and zag in a, in a different kind of way and i feel like it was really with sacrament when you know everything kind of came together and said we're going to present this in a more verse, tradi- traditional yeah, way yeah, like identifiable verses and choruses yes, and, and bridges yeah. and that in that chorus even though he's not singing melodically it is melodic in nature right um and well that's what we learned to do too was and this was kind of rolls into the lead thing was even you know to me there's a difference between a solo and a lead yeah and you know uh different album back to ashes but laid to rest has a lead it doesn't have a solo but there's a lead you know mm-hmm. that that little meandering right um and so a lot of what we've learned to do over the years with randy because you know hear more in the more modern stuff he can he does and can sing but until he really started feeling comfortable and wanting to do that we would work melody into the choruses or or wherever in the song with the guitar work and it it kind of blended into randy's vocal so it would still feel melodic without him actually singing a a a melody yeah that's what arch enemy does as well where they essentially decide, even though Alyssa can sing her ass off, they decide, you know, for years, yeah, they just, they, they've decided to let the guitars be the, right. the quote unquote melodic hook, you know, to, to a certain degree. But no, but I was, I was always wondering that because, you know, you're like this sleeping giant <laughs> and then now I play with it. I'm like, fuck man. Well, I had to I get s- my confidence back too. You yeah. know what I mean? I hadn't really been playing like that in a while. If you don't use it, you lose it. Kind yeah, of a thing. little bit, a little bit. And yeah, and then also I've even before I've never been the super sweet picky like except for uh, burning Ingve kind of well but you know I, back when they used to everyone used to be on the message boards and stuff I used to read people posting you know that you know that guitar player that Lamb of God guy is okay but he can't sweep and he can't this or that so I just like I literally like what's the song it's um, Grace Grace and Ghost Walking both have the sweeps i think grace was the first one what came first and uh i i literally went on youtube and herman lee had like a tutorial on a sweep (laughs) and i learned that sweep and i put it in the solo (laughs) so thank you motherfucker say i can't sweep i'm gonna show you i can sweep i'm I'm gonna learn me said dragon for a sweep and i'm gonna put it in the lamb of god (laughs) song and then all of a sudden yeah i can sweep well i mean listen i've seen that over the years you look at uh the evolution like machine head for example where that band even though there were leads from different guys i mean rob flynn wasn't known as a lead guitar player and that guy fucking shreds now yeah he does. They, they but yeah. you know it, i've seen it in a lot of people where if you're dedicated you can be in your 30s and 40s and and keep pushing your technique and keep going to new places and adding new tools I'd probably be sick if I wasn't doing a podcast and writing <laughs> you articles be and brushing up on your <laughs> on your chops. I'm just well. It's a. I made a concerted effort to instead of I think if I wanted to be a particular type of guitar player, I would have just focused on guitar. But instead, I decided to like work on singing and work on. We talked about that the other night, like how that how your 
singing and your background vocal ability makes you a real asset to have in a band because guitar players are a dime a dozen, but a guitar player that can sing and that has an ear for harmony, that kind of thing, that's that's a fine, that's valuable. I, I think I very, like a, maybe a little while back, even in Lamb made a real kind of deliberate decision to focus on songwriting. Um, and, you know, anesthetic back to that is, is, is kind of an example of that, you know, manifesting, but I'm just way more interested in writing a good song than I am, um, a, you know, a burning soul, a great solo, or even any more like a super acrobatic, like technical riff. I'm more interested in, in the song and the structure and, and how the vocal lays on it and what kind of groove it's Well, got. I'm, I'm going to say as someone who's played all your material, I think things that are very natural to you uh for a lot of other people are acrobatic hmm. and i and i think um in many ways i kind of like i did this uh i think it was for, for kerrang or metal hammer they were asking what are the 50 50 best riffs of all time and i i put um 11th hour but the only reason i put that i was like i was like i think this is the coolest riff in a, a song with several great riffs on an album that is basically like the Bible of metal riffs. Like you guys were the band where the riffs were really interesting and kind of were the stars of the songs. Yeah. And and that's that me, era was we we were and, and I don't want to take credit for that. That is a fantastic riff. That's Willie Adler on that one. He brought that one in. Um and it is a great riff. And that I do I do see that and palaces is where we were really starting to get our stride and and there was a real like that's when the kind of Willie and I started getting this like kind of friendly competition. Like we were rooting for each other for sure. It still exists where, you know, what's good for one is good for the both of us. But I, you know, I want, I want to write that banging riff that I, that's got everyone jumping up and down, you know, and sometimes I do. And sometimes he does, but it's, it's, it's cool to have that dynamic. Well, it's, it's, it's fun being close to you guys and being able to hear, hear from you. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a Mark song as well. And now I can pretty much tell. Yeah. Because a lot of your songs take place on one string. <laughs> <laughs> you see, yeah. It's true. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. I'm like, I'm like this motherfucker. He you can do get, a lot with that one string now. You, you can do a lot with that one string, man. Um, <laughs> and a, a, a sure giveaway is most of my songs like have, I would say most of my songs on average have maybe four riffs, maybe five. And Willie's is Willie's probably clocking in at a good six or seven. Even still, out. He's 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 dialed it back a little bit. Now he, you know. He brought five one two in, and I thought that I just you know I was I thought that was a banger, man. Wow. See, I would have thought that was your song. Well, that's probably why I thought it was a banger. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a big song for us, and it's really cool. Yeah, I um, love that song. I love it too. It's just so well written, and Randy wrote the. Um, wrote the lyric and the vocal on it it's just a great song and it's uh it's cool because that tune has become a live staple for lamb and i just think it's it's cool to have a a, a song that's off the last album off of our seventh studio album that's a banger live and so it just kind of feels good to have that feel like something new has that kind of relevance with that with our fan base well i'll be honest like resolution was not a favorite for me and then and the last one kind of like i was like yeah resolution they came back they came back yeah resolution would have benefited greatly by um some 
some deletes. Like it just had too much material on it. Yeah. And we were really fighting internally about, I think uh, uh, us as a band could have used a little humility in that process because we were all sort of fighting a little bit for our own little darlings. And the, and the answer became to be put 14 songs on the album or 13 or whatever or yeah. on that album. If we had made that a 10 or 11 song album, I think it would have been far stronger. Yeah. Is that, does uh, Josh as the producer, does he have that kind of ability to say, to rein you guys in or is it still does he, that... he does to a point yeah to a point um i think josh's relationship with us i, I don't want to speak for him but it might be a little bit different than if he were just working with a new band that brought him in or whatever it's like josh has worked with us so much and we were the first band he ever produced he was an engineer on really high profile stuff, but he had never gotten an official production credit on anything until Wrath. Mm. Um, so he's very much a team member. He decides tie votes. And at this point now, a lot of times we will defer to his opinion. But when it's the kind of thing where there's just chaos amongst the, uh, I want this song, I want this song, I want this song. That was just, I don't know. That was just a, I, th I think we could have, I think that album would have been stronger by being shorter. Yeah, There's some really good songs on it, though. It's a tough thing about Bad Wolf situations. We don't have one producer who kind of oversees everything. We kind of work with some people over here, some people over here on different things. And so it's really amongst the band to, right. to fight over things, and it can get a little rough. <laughs> and we'll separate. We'll kind, of, uh, we'll kind of separate the activity. Like, Randy doesn't want me in the studio while he's tracking vocals, yeah. which I completely understand because I don't want Randy in there while I'm tracking guitar. I love Randy. He's one of my best friends in the whole world, but I don't even breathe down my neck while I'm trying to put down a guitar track. I, yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? No, nor does he need me evaluating every vocal pass he does. I help him with lyrics. Um, I write lyrics for the band less on the last album than, than usually. And that makes you write on your own like as a method of uh, expression? Yeah. 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 Poetry or? It winds up being just kind of lyric. Yeah. Um, probably because I know at some point I'm going to need lyrics. So I just sort of write in that sort of, I've just taught myself to write in those little short blurbs and, yeah. and have it make sense. And so, you know, sometimes Randy will look for my help there. But even if I've helped write the song lyrically or whatever, I don't need to be sitting there while he's singing it. Because yeah. it's just distracting. Well, well, so we'll split that kind of stuff up. And that sort of helps things stay efficient. Because Josh will work with each one of us individually on that after we've done a pre-production session where we're all together and get all the arguments and fighting and stuff out of the way. Yeah, so kind of speaking of that aspect of things, one of the things I wanted to talk about, you know, because you had mentioned the other day that you lived in Chicago for a couple of years doing graduate school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but you know, Lamb of God is a fairly educated band for the for, for the most part. Almost everyone's been to college, right? Except for Willie. Where did Willie go at all? Um, he did. I'm the only one that's graduated. Graduated. But, yeah, everyone, but everyone's been, yeah. Well, no, I'm saying, but if you actually <laughs> it's it's just it's an interesting thing when you think about the imagery of a band, right? So if if I was to show a picture of Lamb of God to someone who did not know the band or maybe wasn't into metal. They'd probably make a lot of assumptions 
maybe you know like there's a a kind of knuckle dragger uh <laughs> uh stereotype about metal people okay um and and i think there and there's and, the, and i think there's another you watch something back? <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a basketball game in the background it's yeah. just an Anything, incredible shot it, oh really oh shit. well it's kind of a block so that's yeah. what oh see that's what happens when i don't pay attention <laughs> um but no but i think there's and there's another layer of that i think when you're dealing with bands from the south right so there was this i watched this uh documentary on lee atwater you know, he was like the kind of political um, fixer. Uh, he worked for a bunch of Republican campaigns, kind of dirty tricks kind of guy. But he would talk about that he would basically, because he was from the South and he talked with an accent, that a lot of Northerners would assume that he was stupid. stupid. And then he would basically take advantage. Use that to his benefit. Yes. Sure. As a, as a, as a way to essentially. Disarm. Yes. Well, yeah. d- but, you know. You know, hey, you think I'm dumb, or I'm gonna let you think I'm dumb, and I'm gonna take you for everything you're worth, right? Kind of situation, right? And um, and because you know, when you're not at the forefront of doing a bunch of press or something, you know, you're a relatively reserved guy. You're not, you know, and and so it's this this I don't know, it's just something about you. Uh, what did you you studied political science? Was it or so? In undergraduate, I uh, I graduated from VCU with an undergraduate degree in political science. And I had a double minor in African-American studies and international relations. And then I went to graduate school and I went there for international relations. Okay, because I remember there was some something political happened. And I remember you wrote, I think it might have been about the Iraq war or something. And you wrote a piece. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, and I remember- like a spin or something, right? Wouldn't, listen, all like, I knew was I, was I was like, I don't think I'm educated enough to understand some of the concepts, you know, it was very academic. It got real. I remember, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what the, I remember writing that. It was real, like, political theory kind of analysis stuff. It was fun. Yeah, I had not gotten a chance to do that in a while. That was a long time ago, though. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, so you're someone who, who has a background, has some education. You clearly have opinions on things, and uh, but you kind of... <laughs> you got opinions on stuff. You do. You're, <laughs> I do. You, yeah. know, you, you know, you have... You know, pretty in, in depth th- thoughts about things, but you're seemingly very disciplined about what you broadcast. Mm. I guess it depends on the environment, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't, you know, I just like to these days let the music do the talking kind of in this, yeah. in, in this world, you know what I mean? Um, I don't, uh, back when I, <laughs> back when I used to drink a lot, I would uh, get on Twitter and, 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 you know, broadcast opinions and stuff there. That was fun. But you were, all, but you were always measured. It seemed like I never, oh, that's good. I, I that's never good. saw you put out anything that seemed, uh, you know, I don't know. It just, it just in today's day and age, I, I think, especially when it comes to social media and guys like us, we can, you know, we definitely know the different corners, right? Of people, right? You know, we have like. Phil Labonte, who kind of, that's his brand, right? I love it, though. Is being... I love it. <laughs> I love it. Phil's great. On His Twitter's great. Even though I don't agree with his, but, half the shit he says, it's, but, great. it's, it's absolutely awesome that, well, he, I've, that I've, he thinks that. Well, I've had him on, this sh- on, the, on the show a couple of times where we've talked about it, and I was like, hey, man, don't you, aren't you worried that you're going to be more known for that than your, jo- your actual what job? Was, what was his reply? Um... I just don't think he really cares. You know, I th- I think it's that uh, it's his hobby. 
you know, and it's something he cares about. I think sometimes too, the, depending on like the medium or the platform you're using, it can it can sort of extract a different part of your personality. Yes, like it can it can actually blow it out of proportion to a certain degree. Like I definitely, when I was lately, I'm on social media, has been promoting the album, that kind of stuff, and I'll yeah. do you know some personal posts. Or, but in the past, I would get on a lot and just carry on with fans and that kind of thing, or whoever would want to banter with me, and I was real sarcastic because I was my sense of humor tends to be rooted in sarcasm and self-deprecation and that kind of thing. And that's what the kind of shit that stuff I think is funny. Are we allowed to cuss on your podcast? You can say cock, pussy, <laughs> okay. but, t- the, t- but, but So I think about, you know, you're talking about Phil and I'm thinking about Paolo. Yeah. Who is hilarious on his, on his social medias. Right. And yeah. I know Paolo and I think you do too. And he's a cool dude, but he's he's not what I would. You would never think. You would never think that I yeah. th- like. I've known him a long time. We don't spend a lot of time together, but I've known him for a long time, and he's really funny on, on like on his social media posts. Well, you, well, you would read that and think he's like a comedian or something because it's it's a skill, right? Be, being right, right. Uh, being, I would I would describe Paulo, and and to another degree, even even Matt from uh, from Trivium, they are good at the internet yeah right and, they are yeah and and by that is I mean is someone who kind of realizes that these uh different formats um are actually there's an art to it as well yeah. right so and someone like that where paulo same, same thing like you know not the most outspoken guy or loud guy but clearly there's a lot going on upstairs <laughs> in the brain yeah yeah and and these and that's why i love twitter because I think it is primarily primarily a cerebral um, playing field, right? And the people that are do well at it are quick, um, have takes that aren't most obvious. They're they're fairly unique. And listen, and ultimately for me, humor is going to win. Humor, yeah, you know, really and and funny. and being funny about something in a way that you just didn't see it that way. You're like, wow, that's a, a kind of viewpoint into someone's brain. And I'm, I think I'm pretty good at at it too when I actually care to actually deal with it because but i often i have a love-hate relationship with the internet where a lot of times i i hate it <laughs> yeah it can be it can be a, a cruel and miserable place i i suck at instagram i definitely suck at instagram because you have to take a picture every time you do it and i just i'm not taking that many pictures of anything you know what i mean well it's it's instagram is um in in many ways it's broadcasting it can't. Well, let me put it this way: it has the potential to be a very shallow, egotistical vantage point. Which, depending on your personality and how you relate to people, especially in the public realm, um, can be really effective, right? So, just yeah. as some people are good at the internet in the in the scope of something like Twitter or Twitch or YouTube, there are some people that just know how to galvanize an audience on Instagram, and you can create an image and and a facade with Instagram maybe easier than some of the other socials. Although I guess you can with Facebook too. People do that, but that's not a more like. Are you even on? I'm, I, I don't even go on. I barely go on Facebook. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, 
but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, I mean, I go on Facebook for like, not for anything like in our public profile. I'll go on there and like, talk see what's going on with, like people i went to high school with you know yeah. what i mean but not like anything not me for for promoting our careers or that's not that kind of place for me well i think that i think these things are kind of moving because uh i used to write blogs well yeah i still consider myself a writer i just haven't done it um regularly lately but uh and i could track the traffic where it was coming from and nine times out of ten facebook was pushing a lot of the traffic mm. and i think if i was doing it now I don't know if that would necessarily true. Maybe maybe it is, um, but I do think where our eyeballs are and where a lot of us spend our, our time has kind of evolved um, in the social media. Anyway, enough about fucking social media in this in this this shit. I'm talking. I'm trying to talk about Mark Morton, the intellectual here. All right, and um, it's a short conversation. <laughs> listen, I I listen when I when you and I talk and get kind of deep deep on things, you know. Much like we were talking about our, our friend, there's a there's a lot going on out there with with you you as well, and it's kind of, you know, I guess when I know really smart people who are, who are reserved and kind of keep it themselves, I'm like, you know, don't be so selfish, man. When's the Mark Morton book? You know, you know, gonna talk about African American studies, man. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody on the planet Earth wants me to write a book on African American studies. <laughs> well, well, now I'm disappointed. All right. I don't know, man. What you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Yeah. As far as African American studies, I mean, just... okay, <laughs> <laughs> or or you know something else. All right. I think that wow, that was a big like. Listen, Doc. Let's move it on. 
All right, this is not this is not what's going going down. Um, yeah, we can talk about anything you want, man. What else? Do I, well, I want to talk about. You want to talk about school? You want to talk about music? You want to talk about kids? You want to talk about kids? Yeah, let's talk about kids. Okay. You have a kid. I have a kid. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> you, don't. you don't. I don't. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, I'm. Um, that actually, that is another another thing. It's funny, you know. I hadn't been to your house probably in seven years or something, yeah. something, something like that. And just talking about, I guess, how how different we, we are, right? Me, I'm like kind of urban, you know, metropolitan. I'm going to coffee shops and fucking hanging out in Hollywood and being a fucking asshole. And you're so fashionable. I mean, well, you know, depends <laughs> depends who you, who you talk to, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot, a lot of people don't think I'm very fashionable. But, you know, but, you know, you you live, you know, on a, in a big house, um, in, in a very country environment. And you're, you know, you just, I don't know. There's a, there's a certain domestic sanctity, you know, he, you know, Marcus, he's, he's cooking things up, cooking chicken and making, you made, <laughs> you made something. <laughs> we we back in the woods cooking chicken on the grill. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a certain, um, laid backness and kind of old school, way of being and at ease like there's something something that i kind of admire about you that i don't it's a quality i don't have in many of my other friends you know what i'm saying where i'm like damn man i wish i could be like mark and that that just being i don't know like you're like attuned to the earth in a way most people i know are not i think uh, it might have something to do doc with just where we grew up yeah you know what i mean like the environment you see me living in is rural virginia that's where i grew up yeah so i feel safe there you know i feel protected there i feel at ease there most at ease there i don't often feel at ease but i feel more closer to at ease when i'm in that environment and uh i like privacy i like um space i like trees like stars in the sky you know what i mean like that kind of that's what i come home to and it just makes me i'm super blessed that i'm able to have a place like that to come home to and it's uh it just it feels like home i just you know we were talking about when i went to to graduate school for a couple years after college and i went to chicago and did the whole big city thing and it was great i wouldn't trade that experience for the world but man i was glad to come running back home to virginia yeah it was just something about there's like I'm the sorry. harshness, the speed, the yeah. That's I, I didn't want to cut you off, but yeah, there's there's a there's a pace, um, or in Virginia at where I live, and it's in other places too. You know, we travel a lot. I feel it in other places too. But I, I there's just a a, a a pace that's a little slower about the South, the Southeast. Yeah. Um, and. You know, that's not better or worse necessarily. It's just more com- more comfortable for me. It probably exists other places too. It's probably I, I bet like Wisconsin's like that or Michigan's like that, and probably other places as well. But it's just to me, it's just a little slower and a little a little bit less of a hurry. And so to, after traveling, like we travel so much, and and really, I get the best of both worlds because it it would suck to only know like i would if i when i was a teenager and that was all i knew i couldn't wait to get out of there yeah like i wanted to some culture some 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 city some world some something get me out of this little small ass town but then you know now i get both because i can go all over the place you know like we do 
and then come home to that. And that's, that's pretty awesome. It is, it is awesome. And it's, you know, I guess just for me, it's in many regards, when you're in an environment, you tend to also be around other people who are also like you and kind of have that certain mentality, but it's just having that di dichotomy, you know, and for whatever reason, I'm always going to look at you as, you know, I've kind of, I think I used this analogy before when I had Clint Lara on here where I'm the freshman and you're like the senior. <laughs> so I'm always going to look, look at you as kind of a, you know, a point of wisdom. Wow. What a, what or, high praise, man. High praise. No, I'll, I'll, ser seriously, because like I said, you just seem to have a, a certain uh, tranquility to your being, you know, maybe that is just something being a little slower. And it's almost like you said before about me being so busy. I don't really know how to slow down. You know, yeah. I'm kind of just like, whether you see me, I'm always like my, my girlfriend gives me shit. It's like, you're not paying attention. Cause I'm, I'm like reading an article or I'm thinking about some, like, I'm always just got my mind in something, you know, I can't really, not that I can't relax, you know, or maybe that, that is kind of part of it. Mm. I don't, I, I, I don't know, but it is something about, all right, what are we doing next? What's the next thing? Boom, yeah. boom, boom, get it done. You know, I kind of, I kind of function in that. It's the opposite of slow. It's definitely high pace, you know? right? I don't know. It's interesting. It is. It's as long as as long as that's a healthy place for you. You know what I mean. As long as that, as long as you feel level there, I think it's okay. I think it's just that at that point, it's just a difference in, in people. Um, for me, I'm just always, I'm trying to learn how to find that that serenity, man. That that like place of mindfulness where I'm just kind of okay with everything where it is, and that's just the practice. Well, I mean. There's definitely a, uh, you're in the succession of, of guests I've had on that or been in recovery lately. Is that something you found some serenity in? It's helping a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. It's helping a whole lot. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you can look for it in all kinds of places and I looked for it in all the wrong places for a long time, you know, and sometimes it worked for short periods of time and sometimes it worked really well. But then, you know, when it stops working, you're back to the search of trying to find it. So mm -hmm. now I'm just, I'm doing new things to try and find that kind of peace, to, to find that calm. And so far, I've had pretty, it seems to be working for me, man. It's cool. So you go to meetings. I I, uh, I hang out with, with, uh, with like-minded people. Yeah. And what do you, like, what do you, is that more of a kind of therapeutic in, in nature? Or is it, or is it more about just like you said, being in that environment of people that you feel like have, that you can relate to. Well, there's lots of things that I can do that are therapeutic. Writing music's therapeutic for me. Um, but know, I mean, but physically outdoors. telling your story or, or getting, cause you're pretty open about it. I've noticed you'll, you'll kind of, you'll just drop in a, he's like, yeah, I used to be a drug addict. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, sure. I, I, I'm one of those people that believes if you are, you are, it's just a matter of whether or not you're active with it or not. You know what I mean? I don't think you cure that kind of thing. I think it's, it's, you, you, you learn not to engage it. Yeah. I think, I think, but, um, yeah, you know, it's a tough thing. I, I, I just, uh, I try and, and take cues and take suggestions from people that I, that are doing things that, I aspire to do, you know, or that are living a certain way that, that I hope to live, you know, um, you mentioned Clint's great, man. Clint's one of those guys that in a lot of ways that I, I just, I look up to how he conducts himself. Yeah. Um, Randy is another friend of mine that is just, uh, 
the way he navigates situations in his life is something that I respect. And so he's someone that I will consult sometimes when I need some feedback on something or need to see some blind spots in my own life that maybe I can't see or things that I'm too close to. I, I had an issue today that I hit Randy up about. Yeah. And it's just a matter of like, hey, man, you got a second? Yeah, of course. Tell me if I'm crazy. This, 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 this. Am I nuts? And then I'll get some feedback. And I think, you know, having people around me that are, that are, that have clarity and that have experience and that can talk to me honestly is a huge asset. Right on. Well, well, listen, I've kind of on a, on an outsider perspective, I've definitely, I guess maybe some, to some degree, I'm, I'm a little jealous of, of that because you, there's a network and there's a brotherhood of people in the sober community that definitely have each other's back, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and seem to kind of uh, lean on each other in, in more ways, I think, than just that kind of emotional support. There seems to be a, you know, almost even like a business cabal. Like there's like, once you get in that community, all of a sudden you, you get these doors open and these other things, you know, it's like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's that kind of thing. Yeah. It's. um. Sorry for the conspiracy theory. Guys. I mean, <laughs> no. Don't want to go down that, I'm not that offended. Hole. I'm not offended. It's. uh. I don't know. It's it's good to it's good to have uh it's good to have people that that you can trust and that that can support you and and help you through tough times. I think that's good in 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 any context or scenario. Yeah. Well, listen, man. It's getting pretty late. I don't want to monopolize too much of your time and I know we can go 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 on I still got to wash clothes. We got a gig tomorrow. Do you wash your clothes yet? Yeah, but I'm going home tomorrow. Oh, you that's right. You live in LA. But I already washed my clothes 2 days ago. You're so. still a New Jersey guy to me, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You like don't, don't nope, feel like not <laughs> no more. <laughs> I'm Jersey in the mind, but uh, <laughs> my 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 body has transferred to to, to the West Coast. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think you're always once an East Coaster, always an East Coaster. And and the lucky thing about LA is there's plenty of yeah. East right. Coast. You know what's funny when we were, we were in Boston the other day, and when you're from like New York, Jersey. And then you go to New England. You're like, oh, these people are different. They're like, but then when you leave and then you just go and you just realize all the Northeast, it's the fucking same. Like these are same, they're, they, the accents are slightly different, but they're all pissed off about the same shit. They're all, you know, it's all like Irish and Italians and fucking like, <laughs> it's the same vibe. Just <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm saying that when you leave. Irish and Italians, and yeah, same vibe. That's funny. No, no, I mean, I just mean like <laughs> when you're in New York, it seems like like there's a big rift or there's like a rivalry or something between Boston people and New York people. Oh, of course, or yeah, sure. Boston people and Philly people. But you're saying that they're all the same. That Yeah, it's relatively... Like we're all the same vibe, and you notice that too. I think when you tour with a lot of those bands, where you don't, you're like, oh yeah, that's why we get along with the fucking unearthed dudes. We're all, we all, we all bust each other's balls, and we all yeah. like dumb sports and just argue about stuff. And it's you know we're we're animals, you know it's hilarious. <laughs> this uh, this our little band that we're doing right now has been interesting because everybody's coming from different angles. Yeah, we got the sons of Texas we got boys, the, the two sons of Texas boys. We're just like so polite you know yes ma'am and that kind of shit yeah and just 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 chill and and humble and like ready to learn and super talented and just just a pleasure to be around you got art who i've known art for a while i've had (laughs) art on the show and i still can't has art done one of these yeah okay good yeah we had we had art but but before he was playing with you guys okay um 
But now he's big time. Now it's cause he's biggie shot. You biggie shot now. You know <laughs> he can't. You know he can't be bothered now. All right, or right, it's big time. Thanks for you know blowing his head up. I hope he hears this. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just arts. Um, you know. Now you I, guys I, are the California contingent, man. You and Art, the LA dude. Well, we do. See, we drink tequila together. Yes, you do. And then we just shit on each other and we just fuck with each other all all day because he he likes to fuck with people you know and but and i just let him know listen motherfucker, I, i'm not the one well right. I, I it's <laughs> funny watching uh watching y'all come in because i felt like art was hazing the texas boys just oh a totally bit, but he wasn't hazing you no but he'll you guys you guys were like there was like you know level playing field y'all didn't y'all didn't mess with each other too much but well, they art, had the latino connection came, yeah they had the latina thing and, and art came right out of the gates guns ablaze and just just hazing them dude but if you look at art <laughs> he's so smart socially what he's doing is he's basically looking at every environment as it's happening and he's like figuring out the weak link and he's like who's it who can i so art is, is a magician Okay, and that yes, and half yes. of being a magician like is for real. Yes, ha, and half of being a magician is kind of knowing people and like breaking down their little idiosyncrasies. So he's he's very, very very he's very good at that. Art also cares a lot, man, which I really appreciate because in this thing, I mean, this band that we have right now that we're touring with wasn't a band until a couple of few days before we played our first show right yeah. it was just an agreement of people coming together to play these songs that already existed and art a couple shows in is pulling me to the side like with what do you think about this and this thing you know did you notice this and i think we should blah 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 you know he really cares yeah and i appreciate that man he's a professional he didn't have to you know he's the real deal man yeah yo i love playing with art and the cool thing of playing with art is that there's not that many drummers that can, you know, oscillate between the really heavy stuff and the rock groove. Is this a crazy stuff. gig like that? Like for drummers and singers? I mean, you and I can do it. It's just guitar. Yeah, but even a lot of guitar players don't know how to how to modulate. Yeah, you but know, we do. But we do, don't we? Well, <laughs> yeah. And we, how about Nick? What a band we put together, man. Yo, yeah, guys, you guys. So the the secret weapon of this whole thing is. Nick Villarreal, the bass player. This guy's one of the nasty. Plays with his fingers, nasty. And he is, and he's literally the nicest, most humble dude. Like if I was him, I'd be an asshole. I'd be walking around with my <laughs> like dick hanging he, he out. He plays bass better than anybody you know. Like yeah. So you know, hopefully, you know, he will become world famous off of this, and then then he'll, then we can open up for his his. Uh, we can join his Primus uh, tribute. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, what a cool band we put together, man! What a blast it's been. Yeah, it's it's, it's worked out really, really well. I'm I'm having a great time out here, and it's it's only two days left. We're playing the Roxy tomorrow night. That's right. Well, this won't be out. No, I know. Then, so it'll be the it will. I'm not promoting the show. I'm saying it at, oh. as we tape this, we're playing the Roxy tomorrow night. It's exciting. I've, it I've never played the Roxy. I've never been in there. Nah. Never even been it. I've never that? been in the building. See, I'm like I've never played. Like I don't I don't, even, I don't frequent these these venues. I, I don't live in L. A. You're there. I am there. But you you roll in, 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 incognito when you're in LA. I come in and out without much fanfare. That's right. Just have his hoodie up, you know, bearded up, you know, to the studio straight straight away. That's how, that's how you do it. All you right. used to could catch me at the rainbow a little bit, but not anymore. Not anymore. Nope. I'll, I'll probably be there tomorrow night. Like a, <laughs> Good like for a, you. Like a scumbag. Good for you. Yeah. 
That's right. This is that's it. This is even though it's <laughs> there is some work involved. This is basically like my vacation because I don't really have to do anything. I have no real actual outside of playing the show, doing like a sound check or a meet and greet. There's no real responsibility here. I let Mark do all the work. You know, you tabbed out the entire album. That's it. I already did all my work. Right, right. You did that. Yes. On the, the front. The, end. the prep is the work, okay. and then the shows are the payoff. You know, and you, then every day it's like you flew to Virginia. You slept on my couch. That's right. That's right. You were the last one to get there, so you didn't. You were out of bed. Well, technically, I flew and then I drove. Oh, you flew to DC because <laughs> your flight got canceled, and then you drove to Virginia. That's right. And you showed up like ten minutes before we went to Randy's. Westboro Baptist Church protest. It's been a whirlwind few weeks. It has, right? It feels yeah. longer than two weeks, but it's been great. Well, no, if you t- all know, it's probably uh, two and a half weeks. Two and a half. Yeah, it's not three weeks. Maybe it is. I don't know what the flying and the coming. Yeah, it might be around right, three right. weeks, actually. Yeah. Now that now now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, now we're just like talking through. Our, we're like do, like journaling. Are we still podcasting? We go listen, man. I'm sure someone will find this shit fascinating. <laughs> so is anyone going to listen to this top to bottom? Fuck how long is it? How long have we been going? We're an hour. We're an hour in. Okay. How long are you? Do things usually? Listen, I've had ones go almost three hours, Holy and I've done cow, ones really? that are forty-five minutes. Okay, so we're, you know, as long as it hits like forty minutes, I'm like, I'm fine with. We're that. on the reasonable side. Nah, it's 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 good. I'm I'm a little. So in many ways, I'm like out of practice because I just haven't done one in a while, and I've like I said because I'm on I'm using your thing that means a lot to you, like your solo band as my vacation. So I've just been I've been in chill mode. In lazy mode, so I haven't been <laughs> recording any of these. So I'm I'm a little out of out of practice uh, with this, but I, th- I think I think this is perfect. You know, an hour. You know, you get 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 some of that deep, good Mark Morton. Well, we all, me and you, we could we always talk real free and easy anyway, man. That's what I'm saying. Half the the the, the unfortunate thing is half of what was on should be on the cutting room floor is just me and him bullshitting in his uh, pickup truck. You know, that could have been the podcast. <laughs> I should just threw something on there, but. You know, just how it is. You you know, you're catching one little, one little blip, one little piece of the spectrum. All right, man. We're, you know, I'm gonna put this thing out of its misery. Okay, <laughs> Mark, I'm I love you. Do some laundry. He's gonna do some laundry. Thank you for me on the X Man. Everyone, everyone's been asking for you, so you know this is like you're doing a real service to the fans here. Oh man, it's my pleasure. Anything for you, man. Like we family, man. Hear that, guys. Family. If I'm ever homeless, that's, that's whose house I'm going to. I know there's a couch waiting for me. <laughs> you broke it in. All right, man. Peace. I pick you up where I put you down. So lost and found. Another trip on the misery go round. Still pictures of life it was. It's more than but we never made a sound In silence Dead silence We can't come back from nowhere We can't come back from this Sworn apart 
entitled Sworn Apart, and it's from Mark's solo album, Anesthetic, and it features the great Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach. That was one of my favorites. And I always notice this, almost any band I play with, my favorite songs are always the ones that are secretly challenging. You might listen to that, ah, it's not that hard. There's just, there's a lot of little little details, little bunch of Markisms in those rhythms that, that throw me off. And then I started singing the high harmonies in the... <laughs> in the chorus to give myself some some extra challenges during doing it live and it was it was always a little then we do it second in the set so i'd have to reach down a little bit to kind of hit those hit those notes but it was a it was a fun challenge hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with mark he is like i said i just he's kind of like my big big brother um in a lot of ways and i always kind of feel like the freshman he's the senior and uh you know and he has just this this yoda vibe to him like he has he has the wisdom and i and i in many ways, I always feel like he he does. So it's it's good to be around that and kind of absorb some of his his aura. And I'm sure even just listening to it, you guys could probably absorb a little bit of his aura as well. Anyway, that was great. We got some great shows coming up. I'm very excited uh, for the next coming weeks. I'm gonna I'm home for like another ten days or so. I'm gonna try and get a couple more interviews and kind of stockpile these in, in between tours. But speaking of tours, just wanted to announce some. Bad Wolves dates. I don't know if you guys knew, but 
yeah, we're doing some festivals, Sonic Temple, and uh, this one in Camden, and what's this one called? BFD in Dallas, Texas, Rock, Oklahoma. But we also do some, we're doing some off dates, some headlining shows. We're playing May 19th at the Norva in Norfolk, May 21st at the National in Richmond, Virginia, May 22nd at Manchester Music Hall in Lexington, Kentucky, May 23rd at the Ready Room in St. Louis, Missouri, and the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Sioux City, Iowa. And then we also, we just booked a bunch of off dates in Europe. We're playing on June 8th, playing the Milkweg in Amsterdam, uh, Head Crash in Hamburg, Germany, the, gar- the Garage, as they say, and on June 12th in London, June 13th at Manchester Academy in Manchester. Uh, where else are we play? Oh, we're playing Cologne on June 19th, Cologne, Germany, Brixen, Italy. On, oh, that's, I don't even know what the hell that is. Anyway, and, and we're playing Paris. Man, we're doing a bunch of stuff. Go, you know, go to badwolvesnation.com. Oh, I forgot to mention, we're playing Russia. We're playing two shows in Russia. So we're playing Moscow and St. Petersburg. And I've never been to Russia. And that's pretty exciting. You know what I'm saying? I can't wait to get my collusion on. You know what I'm saying? Get my collusion. I can't wait to collude. It's going to be sick. Or I hope the government don't come in. Hope Comey ain't looking for me. Who's looking for Mueller? Mueller? Was Mueller at the door? I don't know who that was. But um, it's cool to get to go to some places I haven't been. And just to let you guys know, for the European fans, apparently those shows are selling really fast. And we expect a lot of them to sell out. So get your tickets. I haven't heard anything about the U.S. shows, but I'm sure those will be great as well. So, yeah, staying busy and, uh, you know, trying to trying to keep the power alive. You know, I'm going to what am I going to do now? Go back to watching Marvel movies like a like a fucking nerd and have a uh, Bill Maher shame me. Anyway, love you guys. Mom out. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.